Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Honest Property Investment Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins. I am the host of this podcast. I'm also the founder of NC Real Estate, which is my firm of chartered surveyors, which helps landlords and property investors build and manage, maintain commercial and mixed use property portfolios. If you want to find out more about that, head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk. Before we get started, I want to share with you that we have just launched a new quiz. The quiz is what type of commercial property should I buy next? What you have to do is I'm going to put the link under this podcast and what I'm going to ask you to do, click the link. It's going to take you to your fill in your name and your email address and all that good stuff. And then it's going to take you through a series of 10 questions. At the end of that 10 questions, it's going to tell you which commercial property type is most suited to you. It's a little bit of fun. It takes two minutes. um, And I really, really strongly suggest that you go and do it. So click that link below to start your podcast, uh, to start your quiz now. Today, what are we talking about? Well, I have been looking at what I'm asked most and what is Googled most about commercial property. And the question, number one, what is commercial property? (laughs) That is it. That's what I have been asked. That's what I'm seeing is being asked. So I thought today I would go through it as a back to basics podcast. So The definition of commercial property is anything really, any type of property that is used for anything other than residential use to be used as a single dwelling. So uh, it's anything where you could value it, probably using the investment value of methodology, you're not using bricks and mortar, you're not, it's just not one family, one single family living in the building. And that tends to be the overall general definition of how I would label it. But when I'm talking about commercial property, I'm talking about retail property. I'm talking about offices. I'm talking about industrial. I'm talking about leisure, hospitals, schools, education, that side of things. Um, To a certain extent, HMOs, but when you're discussing HMOs and commercial property, really, you're discussing any sort of HMO that can never be turned back into a single family home. So that means that you've separated out all of the utilities for each of the bedrooms, maybe each of the bedrooms have got their own uh, kitchen, cooking facilities, that type of thing. Essentially, no one could think, oh, I'm going to buy that house and turn it back into a main residence. So when we're talking about commercial property, it's anything really that can be income generating without being turned back into a single family home. So even things like advertising hoarding, my telephone box, for example, that's all commercial property. Um, you could have boat moorings could be commercial property if you're renting it out to people to come in and use the boat mooring, for example. So all of those types of things are Um, commercial property and things that can be used for business purposes or um, 
purposes where people need to use it for special types of things other than again you got it that single um family occupancy so what really is the difference between residential property and commercial property well residential property is governed by a very strict set of landlord and tenant law in the uk um, and the whole point of that is to make sure that anybody who is living in a home and you're renting it out to uh, families that they are really protected um, and whereas commercial property is dictated by the landlord and tenant act 1954 part two which gives you the overview of how you should um, be renting out commercial property that is in england and wales scotland has slightly different laws um, and the other big thing from uh, residential to commercial is that with commercial property uh, you value it very differently to how you would value residential property i've already alluded to that but when you're valuing commercial property usually you're assuming that there's going to be an income stream from it so you value based upon the investment method of valuation, which capitalizes on the current rental income or the predicted future rental income to give you a value of that property. Whereas when we're valuing residential property, we are valuing based upon uh, bricks and mortar. So we're looking at comparable evidence based upon what else is sold. Um, and that's a very different way of valuing. It could be that the property value comes up higher with investment value or bricks and mortar value. But again, you would usually only do investment value for the commercial uh, valuations and then bricks and mortar value for any residential. The positives of commercial is it is less heavily regulated because tenants have a huge emphasis on the fact that they have to go into buildings and they have to make sure that they are maintaining it well and that they are using it for proper business purposes and that they are maintaining it themselves. That's a real big difference. Um, and commercial tenants usually take leases for longer. They take them for five years, 10 years sometimes. When I first started out as a surveyor, I would see 20 year leases. Don't really see that anymore unless you've got healthcare or something like that in there. We don't tend to see those big long leases as much. Not really where the market is. Um, and commercial tenants tend to pick up the cost of everything that's going on in that building. Whereas for residential, it's a lot, it's a lot more regulated. There are more um, things that you have to do. For example, health and safety. You have to a lot of the time jump through things like uh, landlord licensing. And all of that good stuff, <laughs> which with commercial property, you don't have to do as much. So why would you invest in commercial property at the moment? Especially when you're probably seeing in the news, oh my God, the property market is crashing. Well, the reason that I am investing in commercial property at the moment is number one, there are still some really good deals out there to be had, which can make you yields of eight, nine, 10%. I like the fact that with commercial property, to increase the value of the property, you don't necessarily have to go out 
and do a development, for example, to increase the value. You can do it simply by renegotiating on lease terms. So you could put longer lease terms in place. You could increase the rent, although that's not really something that we're you're able to do so much at the moment, but it's another option. And all of this is paper exercises as opposed to spending huge amounts of money on doing a development and that can increase the value of the building because the value when we're talking about that investment method is created by how stable the rental income is and how long that rental income is going to be coming in for. If you've got that stable rental income, you've got that rental income coming in for a longer period of time, you're going to have higher values. That is really exciting about commercial property. The other thing I like about commercial property is, as I've said previously, tenants pretty much pick up all of the costs. So if you've got a full pairing and insuring uh, lease, the tenant will pick up all of the maintenance on the property, they'll pick up all of the insurance costs, they'll pick up all of the business rates costs, all of that, that stuff. So you as a landlord, really the only expenditure you have is on the mortgage, if you have a mortgage going out every single month. Um, and with the valuations for commercial, it's easier to predict what your value is going to be because you have that method of calculating the values um, it also means that you can, to a certain extent, manipulate the value by putting in place better quality leases. I love that. I really enjoy that. It means that I can be more hands off as a landlord. I like spreadsheets. I like numbers. And so I can run my whole por property portfolio from behind a computer if I wanted to. That would be with me putting in place um, for those full repairing and insuring leases so that the maintenance wasn't anything to do with me um, and then every time that it came up for reletting i'd hand the property over to uh, a commercial letting agent and they can go and sort the letting out the other thing is because commercial properties are uh you know they're given to the tenant it's the tenant's responsibility at the end of the lease, the tenant then has a dilapidations responsibility. So essentially, the tenant has to put the building back into the same condition they found it in. That is exciting because it means that as you're getting to the end of the lease, you can say to that tenant, hey, tenant, you need to go back, redecorate, make good the, the building so that when they hand the keys back at the end of the lease, you have a building that's ready to let again. All of this is really beneficial, really, really beneficial. And that's the reason that I'd invest in it. Now, there are some things with this that you have to consider, right? Number one, interest rates for commercial property are typically higher if you are investing in anything below a million pounds, you're going to be looking at interest rates right now at the time of recording of 8% plus. Those of you investing above a million, those rates drop depending on the bank. Um, I have seen interest rate rates being offered below the base rate. Yeah, um, and that is typically for properties that are in London. 
because their yields are still very, very low. It's not as if you could buy a property in London um, and the yield on that is like 3% and then you've got your borrowing at 9% doesn't really uh, work out that way. So it's something to consider. Um, it's all, so lending is, is typically more expensive on commercial property. Um, number two, in England and Wales, the Landlord and Tenant Act Part 2 can give security of tenure to business tenancies if it is contracted within the Act. As standard, unless it says otherwise, all business tenancies are contracted within the Act and they're inside the Act leases. So that means when it comes to the end of the term, those tenants have the right to renew the lease. They have the right to stay in the premises until a new lease is granted. You can only get that tenant out on specific grounds. That means that when you're planning for leases, if you think, okay, I've got a vacant unit, I am going to put tenants into this unit, but in five years time, I want those tenants out because I'm going to do a redevelopment. You're going to want to make sure that those tenants contract outside of the act before you put in place that lease so you've got flexibility. What it is very hard to do is um, have a tenant with an inside the act lease and then try and negotiate out of that inside the act lease. It could be that their protection falls away if they don't counter serve on notices is a long and drawn out process. For example, I've got one that I've um, been negotiating on a lease renewal at the moment. Um, the tenant didn't come back in time. So I'd serve notice saying, hey, in six months time, um, we want to renew the lease. Here's the terms. We'll give you basically a new lease on the same terms. Take it or leave it. They didn't respond, which meant that the notice period had come to an end. They'd lost their inside the act protection. That almost never happens. This is the first time in the last 14 years of me practicing <laughs> that that's ever happened. So it doesn't normally happen. What you would expect is if there's an inside the act lease, that tenant's going to continue and have another inside the act lease. Um, the only way you'd be able to get them out on the next lease is by giving them some hefty incentives. So you really have to make sure that you're considering that. The other thing to be considering is that commercial property trends change roughly every five years. Whereas when you've got residential, you know that you're just letting to households. Great, there's always going to be demand because of the lack of housing stock. And so you're, as long as you're offering a good quality product, you're probably going to get tenants in. Whereas with commercial, you always have to be thinking about where are the trends and where is the demand? Because that changes. You've seen it. All of those big department stores that have fallen over. As of today, as of recording, it looks like Wilkinson's is about to fall over as well. So these big stores that take a huge amount of space that don't necessarily get the footfall through them that then can't afford their rent. That is the trend that we're seeing at the moment. So you're getting a lot of the bigger spaces back. They are being changed into the smaller spaces. Um, and at the moment, I'm seeing more tenants take smaller spaces, that of 500 square foot, than I am take these bigger spaces that are left empty. So as a landlord, you need to make sure that you can pivot. If those landlords who own, say, an old Debenhams unit or an old 
Topshop unit. I mean, Topshop in uh, uh, Oxford Circus is becoming IKEA. That's really smart. But if you've got those big buildings that need to be broken up, you have to make sure that you've got a little bit of money in the bank so that you'd be able to do that, right? So with commercial property, I'd always put in place something like a little bit of money somewhere like a slush fund that if trends change you can change your building that's the other thing i'd be looking at could my building be used for other uses as opposed to just being used for the use i've bought it in that's also really important to think about um those are the downsides and at the moment we are seeing the commercial uh, property market either weakening or staying stable. Um, I harp on about this a lot in my podcast, but I always look at investment yield guides that the big firms publish to see how the market is moving. I like the Knight Frank investment yield guide. And all you do is you go on Google and you type in Knight Frank investment yield guide, and then look for the most recent one for the month. And what you will get is an overview of how the market has changed in the last month. If you don't understand yields, now to give you an overview, yields um, are a reflection of risk. The higher the yield, the riskier the property. The lower the the yield, the less risky the property. So if yields are going up, it means that that investment class is getting riskier. So that's how you'd read the report. Um, But with a Knight Frank yield guide, at the end of it, they have a market sentiment, which shows you whether uh, the market has changed to a weaker uh, market over the last month, whether it's stable, nothing's really changed, or whether it's going positive again. Now, we're in the summer at the moment, And there's a lot of people thinking, should I be uh, buying? Should I be putting money into this market? So there's a lot less demand for the changing of commercial property. Now there are things happening, right? There are some wild things happening. If you go to central London right now, you go to Bond Street, you wouldn't think there was any problems whatsoever in the the economy or any of that, right? Things are changing hand for 2%. Fine you know, more economic trouble. But for the rest of the market, there is that little bit more hesitancy. And the reason being is that rents also aren't where they were five years ago. To a certain extent, rents are either stabilized or they have dropped. And so that means that the rents are seen as riskier because you're not going to get the current rent for a longer period of time. And that's also why yields have come out. So it's a good idea to understand this and where the market is, but, Big but, don't pause investing just because you think the market's going to drop some more or everything is doomsday. The good thing with commercial property is whilst it can go down, it can come out again pretty easily. You just need to have a building that that is in a good location. So somewhere with good transport links And as I said, a building that can be used for multiple different things. And if you've got that um, and you are prepared as a landlord to be innovative with the users and who comes in or hire 
innovative managing agents. That's always a good one. Um, then from that point of view, you should be okay. Um, the, this is the overall market sentiment when you're looking at these yield guides. There are pockets where we see things just fine. I've alluded to central London, absolutely fine. Bath, absolutely fine. We've not really seen um, much change there. Um, if you look at somewhere like Harrogate in Yorkshire, we didn't see the yields change there yet. Um, so the prime yield guides work on a overall basis within the UK. It's not location specific. If you are in a spa type town um, or you're in a tourist location that has tourists all year round, I'm not talking seasonal tourism, I'm talking, you know, York always gets tourists. Uh, Cambridge, Oxford, Bath, those kind of areas, anywhere where you've got that year-round tourism, you've got good university towns, they tend to hold their own and be um, kind of insulated from what happens within the economy. So you also do need to have a look at what's going on in the local area. How can you find that out? Well, use websites property data websites such as um, EIG auctions. Uh, have a look at what's going on in the auctions and see where yields are selling or what, what's selling at what yields. That's a really good indicator. So whilst you've got the prime yield guides, you can uh, use that data. Uh, we use Adozo as well to find out what yields uh, commercial properties are selling at. And we also use CoStar to find out what yields commercial properties are selling at. So we use a wide range of data to then dig down on certain areas and actually see what's happening. Um, and look, you're always going to want to buy at the best possible value. That is obvious. Um, so you can see roughly where those property values are. Have they changed? Have a look between what's selling recently, so over the last three months, versus what was selling six, 12, 18 months ago. We're in a very different market. Um, and that's really really vital so have a look at all of this and that's how you can decide what's going on in the market and how the market's changing but then also remember with commercial property we put in place leases for five years and i'd be expecting you if you're going to put a mortgage in place to have that mortgage in place for a minimum of five years too the fixed term for a minimum of five years that means we have got five years for that property uh, to increase in value for a market to change. And as I said, the markets in commercial property change every five years. So I wouldn't be so worried about the market going down in a short space of time if you fixed everything for five years. That would be my thought process. It's not like residential where that changes every six to 12 months. With commercial property, it's a longer period of time. Um, and if the local council, for example, is putting money into the local area and there's developments going on, the development pipeline is going to spit out a development in three, four, five years time. That's really going to change the area that you're investing in. So all of that contributes to how yields and how the values in the local area change. So look at it on a macro level, but also look at it on a micro level as well. So there we have it.
that is my introduction to what is commercial property. We have been through what, what I class as commercial property. We have been through the difference between that and resident, commercial and residential property. I've given you tips on finance and roughly where we're seeing rates at the moment and how to find out information about commercial property so that you can make wise investment decisions. There we have it. That is what is commercial property. Now, before I end for the day, I know that you're probably thinking, this actually you haven't mentioned the fact that interest rates up, went up to 5.25%. Are you shocked? I'm not shocked. Um, I did, we didn't actually see much movement in the mortgage markets last week as a result. I didn't see any changes in rates. Now, what I'm seeing is changes in arrangement fees. You can get arrangement fees of up to 5%, which is disgusting. We're used to arrangement fees of being about 2%. So that's gross. <laughs> um, but in terms of interest rates, I've not seen too many changes in terms of that. Is our interest rates going to go up again? I really think they probably are. I have, have I said it? In my mind, maybe I just thought it. No, I think I've said it. I think we're going to stop somewhere around 6 to 6.5%. So we've got a little bit of a way to go yet. And we haven't seen the fallout of it. I mean, the government keep putting up the interest rates thinking, oh, everybody can survive. Well, you've not seen that, you've not seen the fallout. That's the one thing that worries me about this is that it's all well and good being very, very kind of gung-ho and let's go for it and let's put these interest rates up. But there has been no fallout because as of yet, people are still clinging on to interest rates from the last time they fixed in. That for me is the worry is that the dominoes will fall further down the line and then we'll see the impact of this. So that's the one thing I'd, I'd warn you about. If you can fix in again for the next five years and your property portfolio can sustain it, might be wise just to wait it out. Again, no crystal ball over here, but I am one for always wanting to know what's going on and having an element of control so that I can always make sure that I can afford everything that's going on in my portfolio. That is how I operate. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've loved this pod, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And make sure to leave a five-star review as this makes me so happy and it helps to boost the show and get it out there to more property investors. Finally, if you want to email the pod, you can write to me, Natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.